This is Books, Beats, and Beyond, where we will bring you provocative music and engaging interviews from music artists, authors, historians, and others barely acknowledged by the mainstream media. I'll be your host, Taj. Today I'm talking to Masab. He is an MC and also co-founder of the legendary indie hip-hop label Rhyme Sayers Entertainment. Today we'll be talking about his distinct, powerful, and socially conscious album created with seasoned producer Inkwell titled Intellectual Property. Musab, welcome to Book Speaks and Beyond. Thanks, Taj. I appreciate you. What we first ask MCs is to kind of break down their name. Masab, but it's a little different. You also, with this album, go by the name Mink. Can you break that down? What, what's that all about? Yeah, Mink is pretty simple. It's, my name is Musab. So you take the M from Musab, and then you take my partner. His name is Inkwell. And you take the I-N-K in Inkwell, and then you add the M on it, and you got Mink. Dope, dope. And I know there's going to be more stuff coming out with you guys in the future if you guys made a name together. <laughs> yes, yes. That's my thing. Mink is, the, Mink is the thing for the future right now. Dope, dope. And like I said in the, in the intro, um, you are the co-founder of Rhyme Sayers Entertainment, right? Yes, yes. What made you want to start a label? It was um, timing and location. Like being growing up in Minneapolis and Minnesota, trying to do rap and hip hop, at that time there were no avenues. Mm. So, for instance, like we just couldn't go knock on Def Jam's door or, you know, knock on Interscope's door or, you know. Like initially for me, that didn't start out as the goal. Like I wanted to be signed just like every other rapper. Right. You know, yeah. you, you know, you think I'm saying I remember specifically me and Ant sending in like demo tapes to labels. Wow. Sending them to Source magazine, all that kind of so stuff. So do they get back to you? Do they do they get back to you saying that they, 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 they don't want to work with you or are you just like, you know, we haven't heard from you? No. You know, at, at the beginning they didn't get back to us, but there's a there's a story. I was actually just thinking about this too the other day. There's a story 
after the fact that we had actually started Rhyme Sayers, um, we're coming from a show. And at the end of the show, it was me, Slug. We used to do a, a collective, Rhyme Sayer collective shows mm-hmm. just around the city, like locally. We actually were doing those maybe like once a week wow. in some different spots. And um, so uh, it was me, Slug, and Sadiq, who's the CEO of Rhyme Sayers. And um, <laughs> we're in a Perkins, kind of like a Denny's or whatever. Okay. Late at night. Starts reading a review on the album, on, on us, on my album and over uh, at my album, Beyond Comparison and yeah. Atmosphere's Overcast album. And he's reading all these praises and, you know, like, <clears throat> he's like, I remember specifically, and he's like, yeah, this kid, uh, Beyond, he, you know, he has potential to go on to be like the next KRS and this and that. Wow. And then um, talking about Overcast. So we got all these praises and, and we're probably thinking, oh, it's just like a little local paper because we were getting tons of write-ups from, you know, locally at that time. Yeah. And then he looked up and he was like, that's out of the source. Wow. <laughs> was like, we was like, what? <laughs> and we was like, what? <laughs> so, you know, that was kind of like a good, you know, good. But that was after we had already decided to start Prime Sayers mm. when we actually did start getting the recognition. Wow. So, so, so back then starting the label wasn't even something a lot of MCs weren't even, weren't even thinking about that. It was all about trying to get on the label. So starting the, the, the music label, how did you go about promoting? You know what I mean? How did that work? Yeah, we were really aggressive with our promotion. Uh, We took tactics like, you know, those were we actually had to go get thousands of flyers and posters printed up at Kinko's. <laughs> so, so you know, we, it was time and effort, so we would do that. We'd get all these posters and flyers, and one tactic we used, we would, like, drive around every high school in the city and plaster the whole building wow. and all the, all the telephone poles and trees <laughs> within a couple block radius, like, with posters and flyers so that when the kids got there <laughs> early in the morning, they'd see all this, you know, all over their school. Wow. So, you know, obviously that worked because we were playing like cafes that no, no, no hip hop shows at the time. Wow. So we had to play like, we had to play like cafes. Wow. But we would, we would pack out cafes, you know, to the point <laughs> that actually the venues actually came calling us and asking us to come. Oh, wow. Our show and bring it to the venue. You know what, you know what, what's interesting about that is, I'm, I remember growing up, some there were some places that they would have a certain dress code, so you know they wouldn't really allow hip-hop. So you're talking right. about there really wasn't any hip-hop venues, but I guess you brought so much business, they just disregarded trying to uh, not have the hip-hop crowd. They they liked the business y'all were bringing, huh? Right. Wow. Right. I think, I think, it, was, I think it was partially the business, but also it was partially, I guess you could say, maybe the crowd we were bringing in because it was our – we actually – ended up having a huge high school following. Mm. So our shows were all ages. I see. So when you get all age shows, you know, like there's no alcohol being served. Right, right. You know, the kids are coming there for the music. So we're right. selling out these these venues at the time with all age kids. Uh, right. You know? Yeah. I don't think that's something that was going on at that time. Like, you know, rap was like, you know, the party music, the you know, nightclub music or whatnot. Wow. So I think that helped us get in the door in venues as well. Wow. So how did you how did you keep them coming back? Was it always just plastering 
on the high schools or any other? Well, at this point, it was consistency in actually doing the shows. Mm. We, 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 we branded the show. Mm. For instance, have you heard of our festival, uh, Soundset? Yeah. Soundset, uh, okay, we got the festival, Soundset. Soundset was actually something we started doing locally. It was it started out as a hip-hop rave. Oh, wow. That we actually put together. So we would actually brand shows and name, give the show a name and say, uh, so-and-so, this show part two. Wow. You know, this show part three. Yeah. Right. And Soundset was one of those that eventually, you know, we went and took on and, you know, now it's a big festival, 40,000 a year. Man, that is crazy. No, that's, I mean, I commend, I commend you guys for creating the lane because mostly where hip hop was, was like in the, you know, in big like cities, you know, LA, New York. So the labels were all around scouts and everything, but. You guys started in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So, right. knowing that you wanted so bad to do your art, you're like, let's just let's just create this, man. That's dope, man. Right. That's really. Oh no, dope. we used to hop in the van and just we used to hop in the van and go play shows. Like I mean, uh, and and music took me away from Minnesota. Otherwise, I'm just a kid from you know South Minneapolis. Mm, right. But music is what. Hundred dollars in my pocket going out to New York. You know, like, wow, yeah. Just doing, doing, hitting up any any rock steady reunion event I could. We would go to uh, play shows in Dallas. Just all hop in the van, mm. like eight of us in a in a in a in a Sadiq's MPV van, like <laughs> just rolling. <laughs> wow, man, wow. And I guess is that still kind of the thing? Like, is the tour still? The nah, thing? that's not yeah. the thing. I mean, you know, thank thank goodness it's not nowadays. As far as like. Uh, the the consistency and the productiveness of it, but you know, there's like there's and vans and things now, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, there's one angle that we did play that was um, I never really heard about anybody else doing this. Is back then, if you remember, raves were really big. Yes. And and I'm talking about real raves, right? Like, the kind of rave where like it was out in the middle of nowhere. Are in an abandoned building somewhere. Oh. You had to, you couldn't get the address to like the day of the, the wow. Rave. We actually used to play a lot of raves. Wow, and you would still yeah, bring so, people out. I mean, wow. Yeah, people. Our fans would go to the rave, but then we, we you know, we pulled a lot of fans from the rave. Mm. You know that actually, because at the end of the day, our music was hip hop, but it is very alternative. All uh, right. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, you know, these kids are like, okay. Oh, I don't think that's rap, but this is kind of fresh. Right. I like get you know that was that was the days of the, the jiggy era. Right. So it was like you had you know you know you were getting jiggy with it. Right. Or you were doing something underground. Exactly. You know so. Yeah. So, you know, with the whole social media and everything, you know, artists are able to stay kind of engaged with the artists. What did you do back then? How did you how did you keep them engaged? What you mean with uh what you. Well, yeah, with the fans. How'd you keep your fans engaged, like, and, and stuff? Locally, it was easy. Um, the great thing about it back then, it was it was more person to person. So, engaging was like, I used to actually do a lot of rap battles locally. Oh, we were like, yeah, yeah, we would battle cats. That's what I mean. This was this was a culture that mm. we were immersed in. It wasn't just about I want to be a rapper and make money and be famous. This mm. was about. I'm, I am I I live my life within the hip hop culture. Right. I'm within the realms of it, and so this is my circle. So being engaged with fans back then meant showing up to the house party, 
you know, yeah. uh, with all with, with all every MC in the city is there, and you walk in, and everybody's like, oh shit, cops <laughs> in the house, walking, and we all. We, seen a movie eight mile right this is like we would have ciphers wow so yeah that was that was how we engaged and that's how people you know i i battled legendary battles in, in our city where i would battle another mc out on the street corner downtown a hundred kids standing around watching you know what mm. i mean like people older white people walking by thinking it's a gang fight or something <laughs> but really it's just an mc battle right, you know right. like, yeah. yeah so that that's how we engage so that's i think that's how like uh as far like the whole the whole legend, right? Your recognition, right? You know what I mean? You're yeah, yeah. How you're how you're how you're honored within your community. Wow. You know so, man. Uh, those were the days, man. <laughs> Where were the days. yeah, you know, a really fun time. Right, right. All right, so let's talk about the album Intellectual Property. Mm-hmm. Explain the title. <clears throat> Intellectual property titled the album that because intellectual property is like a recent, you know, uh, I based the album. If there if there was a title track that the album would be called, it would be the song Resources. Mm. But you know, resources are it's such a that's such a vast entity. I wanted to focus on intellectual property. And intellectual property is like the unspoken about resource. Right. Like people don't understand how like um, how intellectual property ro- works and how people actually make money off of it. Yeah. You know, I I, I actually didn't either. Yeah. <laughs> See, this is this is something I I more recently learned over the last ten years delving into songwritership. Mm. You know, it's like uh, yeah, you know, being in L.A. and like wow, okay, <laughs> you know, yeah, you know. The, far as like intellectual property is concerned but um so i titled the album intellectual property based on that element that it's an unspoken about resource you know and um it's a crazy resource like like you said i, I kind of learned about it not too long ago, ago either just something like mcdonald's the word you know the logo like right that right. is like the most valuable like most protected thing of the company, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, right? Shoot, because right. if I took, if I made a burger on the grill and put McDonald's on it, I can, you know, it just raises right. the value of it. So, you know, right. it's just crazy. So you talked about the song. You brought up the song "Resources." So I just wanted to kind of get into the, the song "Resources." The first currency on Earth was salt, and over this many wars before. We put it on our food now casually. For sauce, but they got the worst salary. Money ain't really that valuable. Less is tangible, like land or gold. Can't grow food for your dinner plate. If you ain't got the real estate, innovate, get it straight. Look, you need limits for the lemonade. We know why marijuana's demonized, legalized, and let some of the trees survive. Tobacco and alcohol are stacked on the shelf for y'all. And we ain't supposed to sell no drugs. Oh man, the hell with y'all. Get your resources, get your resources from elite forces. And these corporates make your fortune, get resources. Get your resources, get your resources from elite forces. And these corporates build your fortress, get resources. Supply and demand. You can job, you can scam. Just provide for the clan, it's the science of man. The strongest survive, survive. Stay alive if you can. If you can eat it. 
then you need it. If you can sow it, you can reap it. If you own it, you can keep it. That's why the world's broken into pieces. The siege is on, can't even leave your lawn without somebody playing Genghis Khan. A Viet Cong, pillage your village for the food, then put a different image on the tomb. Sold your soul for coal on the low. Cocoa leaves get turned into coke. Yeah. No seeds from the proceeds, just bodies OD'd in the police. Get your resources, get your resources from elite forces. And these corporates make your fortune, get resources. Get your resources, get your resources from elite forces. And these corporates build your fortress, get resources. Intellectual property is a resource like music and professional photography. Uh -huh. Trademarks and copyrights have attorneys and hockey fights. Sign a contract and it's all love again. Cause they get the cutting on your publishing. How many patents got stole from black men? And they still got that money from back then. For fashion and music, you can cash in and use it. That's an improvement back on my blue shit. Trying to stack blue chips before they tax make it do flips. For rubber and well blubber and pails of butter, they plunder, run and tell others. Hey, I know this don't sound cool, but stay in school because education's a resource too. Get your resources, get your resources from elite forces. And these corporates make your fortune, get resources. Get your resources, get your resources from elite forces. And these corporates build your fortress, get resources. What what is the message there? The message for resources is um that basically, you know, I you know I dabble within the financial world, and you when you look at it, we're living in a time. One thing I wanted to do when I approached this album is make the album about current issues, mm -hmm. but still in a manner that is revolutionary and educates. Right. Yeah, so I wanted I wanted to pick topics that were relevant to today's and today's times, and um, resources. I wanted to teach people about money. You know, everybody we're living in this era where everything's about money and, and capitalism. People spouting the word capitalism and globalism and all these words and don't even really know what they mean. Right, socialism and you know, like, yeah, yeah, they're just they're just spouting. Everybody's hopping on with a movement, right. Whereas, like, you know, with me, I keep things more, I keep things grounded down to earth and primal. But because I believe every, as human beings, we're all connected, meaning that in reality, we all want, need the same things to survive. It doesn't, your ethnicity and race and all these things do not matter. You're right. As far as what we need to survive. You know what I mean? Right. It's like sunlight. Right. Every human being needs sunlight. Right. You know? So I wanted to break it down how within resources, how resources, resources are something on earth that human beings have always used. Yeah. Just to different degrees. But right. in, in, in 2018 AD, I wanted to expand on how it became to be. How did gold become a value? I know, right? How did paper money become a value? How did oil become a value? Right. You know, so that's why I start off with the first line. The first currency on earth was salt. Salt. And over this many wars, over this many wars were fought. We put it on our food now casually. Right. The sauce, they got the worst salary. You know what's crazy about that? I can understand how salt was valuable. Like, it used to, like, preserve our foods and stuff. You exactly. Know? But, exactly. But gold kind of throws me off. You know what I mean? Like, what was it about gold? Uh, I guess I got to do my research. But 
I, I I know it's shiny, but what? <laughs> Honestly, I, I still haven't figured out about gold and diamonds. Right. Like they're just they're just stones. I, yeah, I mean humans have made them. I guess because humans desire it. Yeah. Right, for whatever reason, but how it became an actual element of currency that people at one time I don't even know if it's like this anymore, but at one time you know economies were based off gold. Yeah. Like Fort Knox is supposed to be filled with gold. Right. <laughs> yeah. Supposed to be. <laughs> right. <laughs> But, so I don't, I don't, I don't. How that happened? I guess it's just simple fact that human beings like shiny things. <laughs> yeah, it comes down to gold. that. We can't, we can't eat gold we and can't. diamonds. We can't. So, yeah. I'm saying, <laughs> so I don't really get that how that happened. But um, I, I, I just wanted to break down that, you know, uh, how resources became to be. Yeah. And to go on a deeper note with that song. If you notice, I break down verse by verse and I go into, okay, I'm talking about more like um, the first verse is like salt and elements that we eat or we use, you know, for cooking. And, you know, the second verse is uh, is uh, just more about the science of how we use those elements. Yeah. And then the third verse was about intellectual property. And I say. How many how many patents got stole from black men? Oh yeah, and they still got that money from back then. Right, that. See, when, and, that and that sums up intellectual property sure in the does. sense, yeah, in the sense that if people really understood that that's one of the main resources today, mm-hmm. that people actually uh, uh, hoard wealth off of is the intellectual property. Exactly. No, it's yeah. true. And, and, and if you if you really think about it. As as artists today, right, it seems like a lot of artists are owning their masters because they're understanding the value of their intellectual property now. Like, right. what what impact do you think that's having on the music industry, knowing that these artists know the value of their intellectual property? I think it's helped out a lot of artists in ways as far as – I think that depends on your market. Mm. Um, for instance um, – Let's take what we were able to do with Rhyme Sayers is unique because of where we're from is unique in the sense of in the hip hop and the whole hip hop stratosphere. Mm-hmm. Like one of my one of my proudest moments is the Vibe magazine did a did a book called The History of Hip Hop. OK, big black book. You can get it from Barnes and Nobles, wherever. And I'm in the book. Word. And so, like, yeah, they, they, and, and some of the issues, they have my picture up there and I'm representing my region, like the Midwest region. And wow talks about Rhyme Sayers in Minnesota, and I was like, oh, that's great. I'm actually like, you know, it's in history now, you know, <laughs> but um, it's unique, and I always say this in the sense, like, if you take, look at artists like um, Kendrick, for example. Mm-hmm. Okay. What Kendrick is doing is great. It's amazing what he's doing in his time, within, within the time frame he's doing it amongst his peers, and not to knock his peers like Migos and these guys, but Kendrick obviously is on a whole nother plane than those guys. Right. And he's reaping the rewards, you know, the Grammys and all this stuff on a mainstream level, which is great. But would Kendrick be able to do what he does if he wasn't from Compton and mm. wasn't didn't have Dre and yeah. Aftermath as that platform? Very good question. Off of? Yep. I don't think so. Right. I don't think he could he could come from Minneapolis or St. Louis, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and jump off onto the onto where he is today. The same with J. Cole. Mm-hmm. J. Cole needs Rock Nation. He needed to move to New York mm-hmm. from where he's from, you know, in North Carolina, right. and actually have Rock Nation be that platform. Otherwise, to, he would probably just be known as a good 
mixtape MC. Right. So you know they both I mean? like, needed the intellectual properties of others of that others, were more valuable. Of, of and, that, and the reason that is is because when you look at their audience, rhyme sayers, we have a we have a we have an audience as a, as a brand. We have like as individual individual artists, we all have our own audiences that like right. cater more to us. But as a brand, Rhyme Sayers, we have a unique audience given the fact that we are from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. So we have fans in we have fans in Wyoming and Montana all the way down to like, you know, uh, uh Atlanta and Mississippi and right. all from coast to coast. So we actually gain an alternative fan mm-hmm. because it because it has a lot to do with where where we're from. Right. And um I don't think J. Cole or Kendrick would have been able to do that without the platform of Jay Z. Right. Or Dr. Dre to leap off of. Right. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And granted, they're huge right now. They're huge artists. They're I love both those artists. They're great. But I think it's all based on fans. Yeah. And like who your who your music uh the, the, the prime the prime base of who your music is made for. Right. Wow, yeah, that that that, that makes so much sense. Politically speaking, what are they really seeking? The Cold War is over. Now it's the chilly season. So many reasons to point the finger. So many. Is that the reason why we join militias? Mm. I can't be homies with the homie because my boy is Krishna. Why can't we get away from all of these annoying stigmas? They group us over how we grew up. How we grew up. When they shoot us, then that shit is too much. It's too much. How did we lose touch? How did we lose love? When murder's easy as pulling off a loose glove. It's a domino effect. Started a long time ago, check. A lot of lies are being said. Yep. Society is blue, our society is red. Uh-huh. We all live together, but the pie ain't being spread. No. Come visit the ghetto, a drive and see your res. Come on. They tried to kill our spirit, but we rise and resurrect. Yeah. Hey, y'all. Hey, y'all. It really would be good if we had some dialogue and tried to talk. We should talk. We should talk. We should talk. Yeah. I bet. I bet I can change all the negative perspectives that you thought Everything you thought about me When you kill a man, you kill a son You kill a brother, you kill a father You kill a provider, you kill a guider You kill a teacher, militia leaders spraying millimeters They ain't real believers Muslim or Christian or Jewish or Buddhist It makes no difference if you were the foolish Cities polluted, we're segregating and hating. Why? Children are being miseducated. Why? They ain't revealing the information. Why? On why that building got detonated. Oh. They probably made billions from instigating. Probably. Uh, character can't be seen on our faces. No. So wise up, open your eyes up. Oh. Shaitan is a racist trying to divide us. Uh-huh. The human being is one race. Why the fuck you think we all live in one place? It's time to put the guns away. Hey y'all, hey y'all. It really would be good if we had some dialogue and tried to talk. We could talk, we could talk, we should talk, we should talk, we can talk, yeah. I bet, cause I bet, I bet, I bet I can change all the negative perspectives that you thought. I can change, I can change, everything you thought.
So we just played the song Talk. What, what are the gems you're trying to drop here? Talk is, I mean, I love the whole album, but Talk is like, that's one of my favorite songs on the album. That might even been one of the first songs I made, I wrote off. Mm. And um, Talk is is the climate. If you look at if you look at what's going on in the world and in particularly our nation, I think our nation's kind of spearheading it. The division of people yeah. right now, and talk, and and and, and talk is kind of uh, the undertone of talk is it's related. I'm trying to point out how social media is a part of this in the sense that you know what I think is going on with people right now. Hmm. First off, and and a, and a big like proponent of what got Trump and his administration in office mm-hmm. right now um, is that Americans, we don't really know each other. No. And for the first time, what I mean by this is this. I don't think black, I know how I grew up and the people that, you know, I don't, and I'm from one of, you know, Minnesota, Minneapolis, the Twin Cities is one of the more diverse cities in the nation. Mm. We're We're very integrated as far as, you know, we have, every community in our, in our city, which is great, but it ain't like that in most places. Right. And, um, now I would, I would have thought the total, totally opposite of Minnesota, but I'm glad you no, said no. that. <laughs> okay. I always say this. Let me, let me, let me clarify that. I always tell people I'm not from Minnesota. Mm. I'm from South Minneapolis. <laughs> okay. So this place, yeah, you, yeah. you go, you go, if you go 10, 15 miles outside of where I'm from, and it's it's foreign to me. I get it. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm talking. <laughs> I'm talking about within our city limits. Yeah. Yeah. So so, but what what I realize is that Americans do not know each other. Mm-hmm. Like most African Americans in the nation, or blacks in the nation, in, in in this country, probably never had um a white family or a person at their dinner table. Mm-hmm. I know that to be the fact, the case for white Americans. Yeah. They never probably had a black person intimately at their dinner table that they know. Right. I, I, a matter of fact, I go, I ask people, I say people who grow up in uh, New York out here in LA where I live. Uh, I'm like, Hey, have y'all, do, have y'all ever even met a real white person? <laughs> what I mean by that is this. Because you have to understand black and white are just identities that were constructed. Right. They're, they're not a real, it's not a real thing in all reality. They're exactly. just they're identities that were constructed. So I ask people, have you ever even met a real white person? <laughs> and I ain't talking about your homie. When I say a real white oh, person, yeah. I'm talking about a white person that don't know anybody outside of their community. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. The white person that's never actually had a conversation mm-hmm. with an African American or a Native American mm-hmm. or an Asian American. You see what I'm saying? And that's so and there crazy. Are, there are tens of millions <laughs> yes. of those kinds of people. Exactly. The only people who tell me that they have, once I tell them what I mean, they say, Oh yeah, in the military. Mm-hmm. And they be like they be like, I met that I met that kind of person in the military. They think all black people go to college for free. <laughs> I got, you know, yeah, I've been told these things, man. Wow. I know these people mm-hmm. just from traveling, you know. And um, so I think with talk, the song talk, I'm trying to tell people that, hey, if you just calm down, get over all the stereotypes we have over one another and just talk to each other on a human level. You'll find out, man. We're probably more alike than you think. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and you're right. You're so right. And and I remember interviewing um. The uh talked about how um uh the government like 
segregated America. It, it, I mean, it was de facto. People thought that whites should live with whites and blacks should live with blacks. That's how I want to be. But nah, it was really set up that way because they knew that if your neighbor looked different than you and you were able to talk to them and realize you're the same person, the whole the whole racial structure would fall apart. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's that easy, right. like you're saying. It Just, would fall apart. You see it fall apart. You see it fall apart with different ethnicities living in urban areas together. Right. Eventually, the white kid starts talking, using African-American vernacular. Exactly. Yeah. And the same thing happens for black kids who live amongst whites in the burbs or wherever that might be. Mm -hmm. You know how we say, oh, you sound white where you live. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Eventually, all of those barriers just start to shatter. Right. Right. So that's what talk is about. Talk is about stop being so angry and let's just talk to one another right you had a dope line in there you said muslim christian judas or buddhist it makes no difference if you are the foolish i was like Ooh. right <laughs> right it makes no difference right exactly it doesn't matter what your religion is if if your message is hate right you know? yeah <laughs> it doesn't matter it doesn't if you're a bigot bigots come in all shapes sizes colors worship <laughs> all types of things yeah. you know right and that's the thing and and and, and I, and like I said, okay, like going back to the social media thing, you know, social media is the one component that actually let us all see each other, like, like intimately, like how we talk yeah. and the things we might say. Example would be this. You probably, like white people probably never even knew that it's a common thing for black people to be like white people don't season their food. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what we hear it all the, all the time they see it all the time on social yeah media. right black people on the other hand probably never really knew that every halloween black people go out white people go out in blackface all they right dress up, but they do it in their community but now they put pictures up on social media mm-hmm. so we see it right and we're like whoa wait a minute right and they see well you say what then they see us talking about how they don't season their food and this, that, and the other. So, I'm, you know, I, like, eth- like ethnically, I think social media let us see these right. windows of each other that we might not have ever seen before. Yeah, very true. And, and you know, you, you had another line in there, and and I know this is a sensitive subject for some people, but I, I like that you put it in there. You said, um, they ain't revealing the information on why the building got detonated. Ooh. Yes. Right. Are you referring to 9-11? Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah I am. I'm, but I'm referring to 9-11 is just one chapter of the global war that's been going on. I'm referring to what's going on in Syria right now. Mm-hmm. I'm referring to 9-11, Syria, uh, Iraq. Yeah. Yeah. All, all these places, they're all connected. The things that are going on in Syria, Iraq, all throughout the Middle East. Palestine, these things were all ignited by 9-11. I know. Right. Right. They were all ignited by 9-11. So I'm talking about it all. Right. Know? Like this is the thing. This is this is a this is a, a legacy war for these people. Mm-hmm. This is this is a lot bigger than a lot of people could imagine. You know, not and it ain't, it ain't a conspiracy if 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 like like the facts are there, like World War One and Two actually happened. Right. If people go and look at the hit at, at what happened after these wars after right yeah look what happened after these wars. <laughs> for instance like there was no nation known as Syria. you know the middle east as is today 
wasn't even designed until after World War One, the Ottoman Empire. There weren't really there was no nationalism back then because there weren't really many nations. There were empires. Right. There it was wasn't even called empire. the Middle East. Right. It wasn't called the Middle East. No, mm-hmm. there was still there was still uh, the British nation mm-hmm. or the British Empire, the Russian Empire. Mm-hmm. You know, the British Empire was allies with the Americans and the French Empire. There was no French country. There was the French Empire. Mm-hmm. Then there was the Belgian Empire allied with the Ottoman Empire, allied with the Russians. Right. So, you know, this thing, this whole thing is, um, it's been going on for a long time. But after World War One ended, the Allies won. Right. The Brits, the French, and the Americans, and they literally went in and split up the land. They, they, this is, you know, it's called the Sykes-Picot Agreement. Wow. They literally split up the lands than what we know is the Middle East today and said, okay, you take this country, you take this area, I'll take this area. Divide and conquer. Mm, mm, right. Wow. So that's what's been going on over there all this whole time, you know. So why do it you, has nothing to do with the religions? What do you think is going on now? Why? Why do you think? Why do you think all these wars going on now? Money, man. Resources. <laughs> resources, <laughs> man. Resources, man. Exactly. Look, human beings. I came. I came. I came. I came. Um. I came across something. Uh, an idea over the last really couple years. I try to keep growing and keep my mind expanding and, you know, learn and take in new things. And one of the things I'm convinced of right now is that <clears throat> human beings as a species, we're really not that intelligent. Yeah, yo, I agree, son. And I, and, I, and I don't mean it in a negative <laughs> I'm way. I'm either, yeah. That I think we should really tone it down as far as, I, and the reason I say as a species, because I'm, I'm including other other life forms, mm-hmm. other mammals. For instance, they say elephants and whales never forget. We forget <laughs> stuff every day. Every day. So an hour. Like, we're, we, are not, we are not the most intelligent of species. And so you see things like online where people are saying, oh, man, look what this person just did or said. Now my, my uh, faith in humanity is ruined or whatever. <laughs> like, and they say these things as if they're not a part of humanity. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you're not, no one is above the freight. <laughs> like you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like humans, we're all grouped in together. But I'm like, human beings are not that smart. Yeah. So, like I said, you just brought up a, a really a good thing. I haven't never really thought about why is gold a value? <laughs> exactly. I mean, I mean, literally, you know, there's a campaign about diamonds that I think one of these, um, one of these big jewelry companies, you can find this, this is facts, how they actually like, when it's uh, a campaign, the diamond used to be really worth nothing. Oh, the beers, yeah. I think you're talking <laughs> the about beers, the beers. The beers, yep. yeah, the beers, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where they actually, like, you know, branded the diamond and you right. know, convinced women that they needed it. Yeah, but, it had um, nothing to do with marriage before. That's like Nothing listen, to do with it. Right. Now now they got it forever. Isn't that crazy? Diamonds, man, but, that is crazy. So, yeah, I'm, I, I, I tend to, like, not expect too much from us. Mm-hmm. And I, like I said, I'm not above the freight. I'm including myself in that when I say human beings are not as intelligent as we think. Mm-hmm. So it humbles me. Right. It humbles me to nature. Right. I can learn from the hummingbird outside on my porch. I can learn from the, the squirrel. I can learn from the whale, the elephant, and you know, all these things. Right. And that's just, yeah, this is I how would, I, I, I place in my life there. I always tell people, like, when you have a dog, right, you can teach them to sit, roll over. It's like they understand what we're saying, right? Yeah. We don't understand dog at all. <laughs> like, right. Think about that. A dolphin, we could teach it things. It can understand our language. But we can understand what they're saying. Like, exactly. who who is really 
more intelligent in the, in that situation. Exactly. So exactly. it's just interesting how much, like you said, we need to humble ourselves. We can definitely learn. Mm-hmm. You know, and this, and this is why where these wars and all these things within humanity are taking place because we're too cocky as humans. Mm-hmm. You get too cocky and we're fighting over nothing, really. Mm-hmm. When you look at the wars, they're really they're over they're over for a few people to get rich. That's it. Every single war. Right. The majority of people do not benefit from any war. Right. No one should be starving on this planet. Nobody should be starving. <laughs> exactly. There's there's no reason. It doesn't no make one. sense. And and, and I, I, I'm, we're gonna play the song "Wash the Blood." Y'all are descendants of Cain, people you hang, left them suspended in pain. The pendulum swangs, drink the venom and fangs, you will be singed by the flames. I am not timid and tame, I'm vivid, explain. The truth tell they're digging my grave, you live in a haze. I live in the US of A, where they tell us if you just behave, then you won't get shot by the cops. Then you can rise to the top and buy from my shop. Purchase a house on my block, service my mom and my pops, mow the law wash my socks you don't put air in my lungs bringing warfare with your guns cause you're scared of my tongue used to instruct you from Tim Buck to this ain't nothing new it's been fuck you all poor people ain't good all rich people ain't bad to be good you do good wash the blood from your hands wash the blood from your hands Bismillah Fulani, Ashanti, Mandinka, Yoruba, and Wallah. Yeah. You fucked over all us, caught us and brought us away from the land of our mamas. Murdered the sons, raped the daughters. Millions of martyrs died in the fields of your fathers. Nothing but justice will calm us. Something's upon us. Mentally, we're still in bondage. Now we're just slaves to the dollar. Mamas are working, daddies are working. Children are left vulnerable to perversion. Hijabs and turbans don't make the person. We represent peace on my yard. Just disturb it, must be assertive, must fight the urges, must, must make my actions reflect what my word is. Love, we can learn it, hate, we can burn it. Characters built, but respect, you must earn it. All poor people ain't good, all rich people ain't bad. To be good, you do good. Wash the blood from your hands, wash the blood from your hands. Hey, if you're enjoying Book Speeds Beyond, do us a big favor. Go inside any of our show notes of any of our episodes, and you'll see an icon that will take you to iTunes, where you can subscribe, rate, and leave a review. What do you want us to understand with this song?
Oh, wash the blood. All right, you bringing up the ones. Hey, you bringing up the ones nobody ever talks about. Oh, word. No, these are the dope ones. What? They're all yeah, dope, that's but what, I mean, that's like. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> wash the blood. I'm glad you brought that one up. Because wash the blood, it sums up the, the deeper level of intellectual property that I think, um, I never really seen anybody write about it or anything. This is just me and my theories and coming to these certain conclusions is that, <clears throat> you know what the ultimate intellectual property is today? Hmm. It's blackness. Mm. Whites created blackness. Mm. For instance, in Africa, nobody in Africa was there as ever. I don't even think they do it to this day. I don't know an African that says I'm black, but they say I'm Ibu or Nubu or, you know, like, yeah. Exactly. They say what their tribe is. And um, so when you think about it, think about the transatlantic slave trade. Okay, they took the bodies from Africa. And they and but and they and they and they and they, and they, uh, they they forced them to work. They enslaved them and forced them to work. Took away their humanity, which was unnecessary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they right. did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was never really done in the history of slavery. It's, never. The, the institution, I would say, the institution of servitude. I separate slavery into a whole nother word because we know slavery to be what it is through our experience. Yes. Right. But there was a time. Yeah, the, the the institution of servitude was always a thing on earth. It still is to this day. Exactly. Um, and and, and I, not to cut you off, but if you learn through some of the religions, or just like you said, it's always been there. I think there's been a like a ploy to equate chattel slavery with the other kind of like you said, servitudes that happen. Servitude. Down, Institution of servitude, exactly. To try to parallel it like it's nothing new. No, no, what happened here was new. You know what I, mean? I have evidence of it being new. There's worldwide evidence, and I'll explain. I'll explain. Okay, they took the bodies from Africa, and they enslaved the Africans forcibly, and they took away their humanity. They stripped their identity. For the first time in the history that we have recorded history of mankind, they stripped these people of their identity. Pharaoh didn't even do that to the Hebrews in the <laughs> right. Old Testament. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Otherwise, there would be no Hebrews. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, right. he, stripped, he stripped. So to do that, and, and that in itself became, and then they invented this new person. Mm. They invented this black person. Right. And that became the intellectual property. <laughs> so you fast forward to 2018. And and, and and I want to make a disclaimer. I'm not giving the European people who did that much credit. I believe that these things happen totally by accident. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that the, 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 the concept of a human being thinking that they are superior to another human being from the complexion of their ethnicity or skin was a new concept to the world. Yeah. And people did people, the Africans actually all throughout the world. Uh, they didn't even really take it serious. They didn't understand what these people were doing. They understood warfare. Right. And they understood like, oh, you want you want what I have. Oh, okay, I get that. But they didn't understand the science of like, no, this is my predestined. <laughs> I'm <laughs> predestined to be dominant over you because of my ethnicity. Right. That was something new to the world. Mm-hmm. So I believe it all happened by accident. And, it, you know, fast, fast forward in 2018. But when you look at it, 
you hear God, you hear people, for instance, look at Black Panther just came out. Yeah. And it's doing great. Dope. And you see, you see people like, uh, uh, various people, maybe Dr. Voice Watkins, mm-hmm. familiar with him, right? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. You'll see him kind of criticize the fact that black people go see the movie. Y'all, y'all can go see this and give Disney all this money, but then you don't want to invest in this and that and the other, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's his mere opinion. I think he's being a little too serious here. Let us just <laughs> act for you. Right. Yeah, you exactly. Know? <laughs> Come on, bro. With it. But the reason, but but the root of what he's trying to say, or why he's even saying it, I wonder if he understands why he's saying it, is that, yes, anything that has black attached to it is going to have some whiteness attached to it, because white invented black. Mm. They're the ones who told us we are, they stripped us of our identity and told us we were black, I'm white, I'm better than you. Mm-hmm. That's what life is. <laughs> you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, yeah. that's it. So. As we go on, as black as as black Americans, we start to uh, come up with forms of music, come up with forms of dress, come up with forms of dance, come up with forms of art, come up with forms of speech, come up with forms of cooking, come up, you name it, we came up, we coming up with it, right? right? Yeah. But white people make more money off our intellectual property than we do. Mm. You see? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> black black is the intellectual property the real the real money was not the cotton that we were picking the future of their money was stripping us of our identity creating something they wanted us to be and us not claiming who we once used to be Mm. you see what i'm saying (laughs) that's why yeah because that's look black panther i get it we're so for instance like i take the little i take the little victories with it all and when I say victory, what's my goal? My goal is for world equality. Right. I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want anybody dominant over anybody else. I want world equality within humanity. So, but we're still dealing with white supremacy in 2018, whether people want to believe it or not. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, for instance, when Obama got elected, I knew Obama wasn't going to change anything as far as like policies concerned yeah. in this country, mm-hmm. but. What I did like about Obama getting elected is for the children, because now little kids who are three years old, seen that man in office for eight years. And, you know, for instance, like back in our time, before Obama got elected, we would all say there would never be a black president. (laughs) That was a common notion. We all just held. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now you can't tell these millennials that. Are the youth that because they seen it. They seen so it. So all you need to do is see it. All, right. all someone needs to do is see it. And my, my question, the problem I have with a brother like Dr. Boyce Watkins is saying, brother, if it's good enough for the white people to have their image casted all over the place, why ain't it good enough for us? Exactly. Like, yeah. Why, why not? Why, why not claim back our intellectual property? <laughs> you know yeah, why not? Right. What we had back, bro. It right. ain't about us giving money to Disney. Like we're in such a hole, we right. need Black Panther. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. I, t- I, t- I said, bro. Look, do you realize that in Africa, to this day, if you have a job like uh, in a lot of these nations, I can't say it's in every nation, but definitely in the ones colonized by the British, if you have a job like a lawyer or a judge, or you graduate from the university or whatever, you got to wear those old school ass. Benjamin Franklin colonial wigs. <laughs> right. if, you're, 
You see all the black. <laughs> I'm like, why they? Why? My wife is West African. Right. I, mean, I look. I'm like, why they be wearing that? Right. My man, I got be like, why y'all Africans? Come on, look <laughs> why they wearing that over there? Right. You know what I'm saying <laughs> So I'm saying we obviously have an issue that's image based. Right. And so if a movie, if Brock being president can change, even change the image a little bit, exactly. I'm great with it. Exactly. If Black Panther can change the image a little bit, I'm great with it. You know, so. That's what it's about, but it's about understanding that blackness is an intellectual property. Right, and, and and you had a line in there which can help lead us to reclaim our our, our heritage, right? Reclaim yeah. that, and you, you said something, and and I think you know, knowing there there's a black president, I think if kids really understood, even prior to what we've done in America, because black history, they always talk about the first black person to do this the first to do that and sometimes i get mad at that because i'm yeah. like we were the first even before that was in america you know what i'm saying right. the first science right. black scientists are you serious so when you right. said something like um used to instruct you from timbuktu this ain't nothing right. new right timbuktu right and that's me that is me wash the blood if you notice i don't mention uh, uh, ethnicity or a race or a color like I don't say the words black or white within that song mm-hmm. that's calculated because what we don't do what people don't do enough is we do not address the criminals of humanity and the liars and the bigots against humanity for what they do on a human level mm-hmm. we play their game right. meaning that how can how can you defeat white supremacy with black pr- pr- supremacy in mind? Mm-hmm. It makes no sense. You can't, you know. So you have to strip. You have to take away the carpet from under their feet. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. You have to take away their vehicle. This is why we live in a time where people can, where bigots can actually say, you know, for instance, the the word race racist has no weight anymore. You know, it's like. You can't just call it. If, actually, if you do call somebody a racist today, you're almost singling yourself out to look and sound like a fool. <laughs> because, yeah, you know how people people just don't take it serious anymore. Mm-hmm. What do they throw things back at you? Like, oh, you're always pulling the race card and you're always all. Oh. No, call them a bigot. Just call <laughs> them a bigot. Everybody's a racist. Mm-hmm. Everybody's a racist. What I mean by that is this. <clears throat> Racism is a system. So. If you take, like some of these countries that are communists, right, do you single out each individual person in a communist country? No. No. If a person is a citizen of a communist country, they're just known as a communist. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Same with a socialist nation or whatnot. So the economic system and the system that the United States of Americans flourished under was racism. Mm -hmm. By policy. We don't have to deny this. Mm -hmm. They don't deny it. It was by policy, you know? So, uh... So you have to be careful and just call bigots bigots. I always say this. I always say you don't need to be a bigot to be a racist, and you don't have to be and – and all racists aren't bigots. Yeah. Meaning this, like, okay, we live in a in – a, and obviously what is racism is when one ethnicity – um, dominates the, the the policies, the schooling, the the education, the resources, the, the, the resources <laughs> of, a, of another right. of a minority group ethnicity, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, 
that clearly is what's happening in this nation. I don't think anybody could deny that on a human level. Exactly. Now, all people who we all live under that system, an example of that would be this. We know as black people, we're told you got to work twice as hard. Yeah. We're told you can't, you know, we know that. You know, right. like everybody knows that. So example being, when we go into a, when we go into, and this, and this is all going into the song, Wash the Blood. Right. Let's just keep, we're still on that subject. Yeah, yeah. So let's say you go in, let's say you go into a, a job interview, something as simple as a job interview, and you got to go in there. And, um, you know, sometimes brothers be like, ah, you know, I got to cut my, cut your dreads. You need to get a job, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> it, all the way down to your appearance. But sometimes you might not. You might try to change up your accent a little bit, depending on who the manager might be at the job. Mm -hmm. Not try to talk, cause I, I, you know, we all do it. Yeah, dualities. Like, yeah. I got, I got, I got. Yeah, I could talk. I could talk real black, <laughs> and then I could talk more. You know, a, a little more. What do you call it? Uh, uh, Assimilate. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. You know, like uh, so within the English language. So if 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 we're we're forced to do that. Like, white people don't have to do that. No. So, the, so the top of the totem pole is white imagery. Mm -hmm. It's white imagery. Clearly, it's white imagery, right? So, like, that's the top of the totem pole. So that is what racism is. It isn't the fact that we're all starving or that we need to be in chains or that, you know, we're being kept from reading today in 2018, even though there was a time when that happened, mm -hmm. you know? And, and so now there's this term called... Uh, and well, it's been around, but white privilege. Right. What does white privilege mean today? White mm -hmm. privilege, to, you know, obviously throughout the course of the, the history of this nation, it's meant different things all the way to where being white meant you were fully human. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. Yeah, those are facts. Right, yeah. Being white meant you were fully human. And then it changed a little bit every generation. So where are we at today with it? Because there's some white people who are sitting here and actually be like it don't exist. Mm. And a handful of blacks. Mm. Yeah. Okay. What white privilege means in 2018 is that white people get the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. That's what it means. That's, That's it. all it means. It don't mean that white guys' wives don't cheat on them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it don't mean that there's no poor white people. It don't mean there's no dumb white people. It don't mean white people all have nepotism hookups. Yep. No, it does not mean that. It means white imagery gets the benefit of the doubt and when you just tell people that i don't think there's anyone who can agree disagree with that no. how could you just my white i haven't had one white friend disagree with me on that no you can't white imagery gets the benefit of the doubt so let me and you know what that's a big thing man yeah that's huge i mean it's a huge thing <laughs> in the nation just think about it when when you're on trial right if there's any reasonable doubt you're not guilty right, right. <laughs> So if you get the benefit of the doubt, you're not guilty in life. Right. Right? You right. could just breeze through life. And because that white privilege came from what racism is. Right. It's the advantages of having resources and keeping resources right. from others. So if you have right. that for centuries, yes, you are going to have the white privilege. Right. And right. you might hear some people say, well, you know, I had to work hard growing up. My dad was blue collar. My mom was that. But you know what? You can say that your parents were that. That is still a privilege <laughs> in a sense to even have those opportunities at those jobs. Right. So right. 
Yeah, and, and you said something in, 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 in Watch the Blood that I don't, it, it had me thinking, like, um, you know, when it pertains to, like, outsiders uh, or immigrants, um, you, you had a line in there where you said, hijabs and turbans don't make the person. We represent peace. Y'all just disturb it. I mean, that's right. a dope line. So were you were you raised uh, under Islam? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Muslim. Yeah, I've been a Muslim. Like some of my family's Muslim, some aren't Muslim. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's like I've been I've been Muslim like uh, all of my like young teenage and adult life. So, so basically, I, it's all I ever knew, really. So talk about that experience with Islam in such a Judeo Judeo Christian society. Like, what were you know, as black people, we understand racism. And how, and how that fails, even how, th- just the little subtle things that happen to us all the time. How was that growing up Muslim? Did you have any of those kind of feelings in, in, in this yes. society? Mm-hmm. Yes, I, w- I will attribute me being Muslim to basically me having the perspective and understanding that I have towards all of this, what I'm explaining, mm. meaning that when you're a when you're a OK. OK, when you're a Muslim. You feel the full, the full um, um, blow of white supremacy and racism, mm. the full blow. And the reason that is, is because <clears throat> Islam is more than a religion. It's actually like a culture that we live. So mm. when your culture is different all the way down to your name, you know, what I mean? right. like it's, yeah, your name, uh, your dress, your culture, your, your place of worship. These are the things that white supremacists actually dislike. Right. They don't they don't mind Ben Carson. This is what <laughs> black people need to understand. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like like black people, <laughs> bro, I'm like, I have a term that I say, and I don't think it's very popular with a lot of people, but I say it anyway. I say black men are white men. Hmm. Meaning that their pursuits are the same. Hmm. Their ambitions are exactly the same. And not to mention, they're, the way they going, the way they go about doing it in this nation is the same. Mm. This is why black women have a problem in recent time with black men. Mm. If you notice, you know this whole pushback from black women saying black men are trash on the internet. You know, oh, I think yeah. you know obviously they don't need to go that far with it. I think they should just take a step back and talk. You know, like mm-hmm. going back to talk, but. They need. I think it's 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 black men's duty to understand. I think we can all agree that the most forgotten about person in this nation and undermined person is the black woman. Yeah. That yeah. They're they out of out of everybody in this nation, she's the one who really hasn't gotten her just due or is behind in getting their just due. Absolutely. You know. Yeah. It's yeah. In this in this nation. So that being said, the black man, what she's frustrated about is that. In a lot of in a lot of areas, black men take on. Okay, friends, I'm, I'm gonna just make this simple. And like I said, a lot of people are like, "Oh man," but you know, I, I, I deal with these subjects on a date. This is my regular life. I talk with people about, you know. So, mm-hmm. okay, if 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 we were stripped, if slave masters, slave owners, and overseers stripped us of our identity and didn't allow us to live our cultures, be ourselves, worship how we wanted to worship and things of this nature. Who do you think we became? Yeah. Who do they, who do they build us up to be? 
Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> Who? Them. Right. right. A portion of them. So that means black people need to take a step back and ask themselves, who am I? Mm-hmm. Black men need to ask themselves, who am I? Mm-hmm. And that's what Wash the Blood is the song is about. That's why I specifically say, I don't think in the history of rap, I never heard a rapper saying, I listen to a lot of rap, but I never heard him say, Fulani, Ashanti, Mandinka, Yoruba, and Waloff. Yeah. You fucked over all of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, like, those are the people who were put on those ships. Yeah. And you know what's interesting? I think if, um, I really truly believe that it's great to learn American history. I mean, from all aspects, because American history is really deep. I mean, what you learn in school, they make it boring. But if you really right. learn, like, what happened politically here, uh, so-called racially and all that, it is deep. Right. But if you right. learn what happened before America, like what we were doing before America, you would it would be mind-boggling to a lot of people. Just even understanding when right. in the school when we learned about the Renaissance and how Europe just all of a sudden had scientists and astronomers and Wow, all of a sudden they got really smart. If people just understood the Moors' impact over there, 700 years. And and these these were Africans that were uh, Muslims that educated Europe. And a lot of what they learned the Europeans learned once they kicked out the Moors after 700 years is what's part of American culture. Right. Right? So if we understand that, then we'll start to understand that, wait a minute, yes, we were stripped down and everything and we assimilated to American culture, but if you really look at it, we are kind of assimilating back to what we taught them. You understand? It's like really weird. If you really break it down and And look at... Yeah. And being Muslim, that's what I've always known now for 20 years. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's what, like, that's what it it gave me meaning meaning in the sense, like, when you you look at, like, um, the Mali Empire and what West Africa was, because these these things within within the black Muslim community, the African, you know, this is a known we talk about this stuff all the time Mm -hmm. you know so it's just a known thing but what islam does the principles of it it strips humanity down and it strips your ethnicity not your culture you can keep your culture as long as it ain't haram Mm -hmm. you know yeah yeah but but it's scripture it's scripture your like your tribe and your ethnicity and you can keep it but it's just like don't put it over your humanity Mm -hmm. meaning you're not superior to anyone else Mm-hmm. Because you eat red apples and they eat green apples, right? Or you're not you're not superior to anyone else because your hair's a little bit more kinky and their mm-hmm. hair's a little bit more straight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So and here's and, the and, that, and here's the thing that we were talking about why chattel slavery is di- and, and how they try to equate it with the servitude that went on during in, in, within Islam in Africa, right? There's a lot of people that because of war they had to then serve under their, the, the, their their conqueror, their winner, only for a certain amount of time. And some of those people would become generals, mayors. They would have prominent positions in society. They right. weren't generation after generation considered 
inferior, uh, less than human, and so forth. So, right. <laughs> so when when too. when Africans were taken out of um, of Africa and brought over to the Americas, they thought that hey, these are prisoners of war, and if there is some kind of servitude, they're gonna they're probably assuming they're gonna do like what they did. Okay, yeah, for a period of time you have to serve under this person, but you'll still be respected. They <laughs> they didn't know that it was gonna be something totally crazy. So you know no, what I mean? They didn't know. They did not know. This is why, you know, you hear criticism of um, Africans for selling some slaves, selling people to the Europeans. Yeah, and they did because that was a common thing that was done, you know, as far as like, okay, uh, a common fact, a thing that was like, okay, yeah, we'll we'll sell, you know, people that were captured in war and things like that. They were sold in servitude, but the humanity was still there. There was a. There was an international, at least within where we know what we know is the Middle East today and Africa today. I can't speak for like the upper parts of Europe and the yeah. Vikings going and capturing Anglo-Saxons, and, right. you know. But what we what, what they did in Africa and what we know is the Middle East today is there were there were basically international laws on servitude. Mm-hmm. For instance, like if if a woman if a woman's servant had a child by her 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 so-called master in servitude she was set free right. by if, if she had a child these were just things that most of those people practiced just that was just one detail but yeah a lot sure. of these people can, can you imagine if that happened though because <laughs> that was the whole point <laughs> right. have more babies you know what i mean <laughs> they wouldn't even have any more slaves barely in america exactly if that happened. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah man so but being Muslim just gave me that diverse perspective, mm. you know, because I remember being Muslim before 9-11 and after 9-11. Mm. Both those things are great. It's a big difference <laughs> yeah. in being Muslim. Right. There was a time in being, when you're Muslim back before 9-11, maybe somebody might have brought up uh, you can have more than one wife or something, you know? Mm. <laughs> like, on a negative scale, like complaining, like, oh yeah, you you guys are the ones who have more than one wife or whatever. <laughs> after 9-11, yeah, man, you hear so much rhetoric. So, but it, it 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 it's it's you know, it allowed me to really like just go in, study, try to fix things, try to you know curve myself from negativity and hate, yeah, and my own bigotry, mm-hmm. and just try to be an asset uh, to make my air my my immediate area I live a better place. Right. The people I come across right. be better towards them. Right. You know, we're living in some trying times right now. And it ain't getting any better. I've been telling people this for about four years before Trump. It's not getting better. No, it's not. As far as in the sense of like, as far as in the sense of like who we are now is who we are. Like, we're not like, like Trump supporters, we ain't going backwards. They're not, they're not taking away what they're saying. They're not too much has been said. There's even been some blood spilled out. Too much is going on to where we're in a big split. And people are going to have to question themselves, their loyalties, with question what they want out of life, you know, mm-hmm. what they want out of the world, you know, and things like that. How yeah. can you how can you assist the world and be a good person? You know, absolutely. No, I, I truly believe that. I think we're at a time now where you're really going to have to look at your surroundings and and get out your comfort zone because. 
man, if you watch TV, if you're on social media, you could get really, it could get really polarizing. So for you to really yeah, kind of grow these days, it's like what we always say, teach your family and, 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 and try to be friends with people different than you. If you embrace those, man, I mean, what they're doing you at the news, it won't make any sense. It'll be comedy. Once you realize, like, what they talking about, <laughs> my neighbor John is nothing like that or, you know, or whatever, you will start to laugh at all the stuff that they're trying to throw out at us. Right. Yeah. It, what, what, it's, it's, a, it's a thing, and obviously, like I said, being a Muslim, I, I don't, um, it's, it's a, black and whiteness is like against our theology in the mm-hmm. sense that there's black people, white people, yellow, no, there's not. There's just human beings we're different colors in creation the same way a zebra and, and a leopard are. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It's just a beautiful thing to be mm-hmm. different. Why would we all look the same? Right. But I, so, but that doesn't mean that I still, for survival's sakes, I know I'm black. Right. I am a black man. Mm-hmm. I am going to conduct myself as a black man in society. You know what I'm saying? Just for the simple fact, you go around here thinking, if you think that, that's how you catch a bullet in the back from the police. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Right. Like a white man can be jittering around in the car when he gets pulled over. A black man, you better not. Better but not. Have your wallet out on the dashboard, windows yeah, down. Yeah, we all know that. So that's what I mean. That's what black and white means to me today. It's how people, how we choose to survive. Yeah. So what I tell my white friends and white people I come across, racism is not our problem to fix as far as blacks and no, other minorities right. it's white people's problem to fix exactly. i tell all of them i'm like if you're against it then what fix it exactly it ain't ours to, ain't ours to fix exactly <laughs> i mean we we thought it was for a, a long time but now we're realizing we didn't create it <laughs> we keep all fighting we all the time it's time business, it's time all for you do, yeah it's them all we got to do is mind our business yeah. they're the ones they're every every man I guarantee you just about every white person you know got that uncle, got that elder, even maybe a peer of theirs in their family who's on some bigot shit. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. Sit, and, they, and they've been hearing it. At, they hear it at the picnic table, at the Thanksgiving dinner. They got to hear it. That's what you got to do something. At all. Exactly. They just laugh that shit off. But now look who's now. They don't like the guy in office a lot of them. Right. So they're like, oh, man, wow. Damn, they emboldened. They, they, damn, they mobilized on us. What are mm-hmm. we gonna do? Fix that shit. It ain't our problem. To right, fix. right. As black people, we just gotta get to know each ourselves right. better. That's right. all we need to right. do, man. Right. Because here's the thing: even when we start to know ourselves as black people, throughout history, it's been infiltrated because of, like, for example, Black Wall Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma. I mean, look at that community. Just the dollar kept circulating within that community, but the outside community got jealous, and we were dealing with ourselves. So that was racism. So what needs the only way to fix racism is for the people who created it and benefited from it are the ones that got to infiltrate it and break it apart. Because even when we mind our business, it's still a threat. You see what I'm saying? Right. So. Right. If, like you said, if Uncle Bob well, says all, something yeah. about it, say something about it if you don't like it. Say exactly. something to Uncle Bob. For instance, I'll tell you, right, it's like right, they try to convince you was, if you're black, like you, you, you don't deserve to have nothing. I'll give you an example. You see what's going on in the NCAA right now, men's basketball? No, talk about it. 
oh, you don't see how the FBI <laughs> has been doing their investigation of uh, players being paid in college. Mm, yeah, I heard about that. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so, and, 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 and so yeah, they just, you know, they got Sean Miller from Arizona, the head coach on the phone. Mm-hmm. They, the FBI just came out and said they had uh, all these coaches' phones tapped for the last three years. Wow. They just, yeah, so they got coaches. Arizona's the first coach. <laughs> they got him talking about giving the kid $100,000 and whatnot. Mm. Okay, but anyway, what's going on in NCAA, the coach of the Detroit Pistons, Stan Van Gundy, said yesterday, he was like, yeah, as far as that whole one-and-done rule where players are, like, forced to go to college for one year, and this, he's like, I think it – he's like, you people say this and that, but I think it's mostly racist, mm. racist people that made that happen. Mm. And it's true. And I'll give an example. I'll, I'll, I'll give an example in a, and why and how those things happen. And that is an example you brought up, like Black Wall Street being burned down physically, literally burned down, right? Right. But they infiltrate our money in ways with sports lockouts. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, um, yeah, certain things. I mean, for instance, nobody's complaining that uh, Korean people got the nail the nail shop market on lock. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, ain't nobody running in. Like, like black people are very capable. Of yeah, handling our business, obviously. Yeah. But there's always a there's always something there. And I'll go even deeper with this, bro. As far as like the cop killings, that's what I tell people. See if if we just could focus on this in this way, and and, and not deal with the bigots on their level, and deal with them on a human level. I tell people, and I and I've actually made some people see it from this perspective who are actually like the ones who would say. Well, you know, the cops fear for their life mm-hmm. and kind of on that side, they see it from this. I, I, I give them this perspective of it, of how it actually affects us as a community on all levels. When you gun down one of our sons, right, it takes I, I see now and I got kids so I can vouch that from to raise a child from the age when it's born up to the age of 18, but ain't nobody out of the house at 18 anymore. Yeah. So this is a lowball number. From the age from when you're born to 18, it's about $210,000. Mm. And that's just if you're just getting by. on a, that, that don't include private school, mm-hmm. uh, dancing lessons, and, right. you know, sports practices and all this kind of stuff. Just, the, just food and shelter and clothes, right. right? So what people are overlooking is the investment of family. Mm-hmm. Is the investment of family, meaning like when a when a when a when a couple when you have a child, that is an investment. It's all it's a blood investment, but it's also a monetary investment. Yeah. Because throughout the history of mankind, children have grown up from back in the day to working on the farm as a shepherd and taking over the business to baby boomers being taking care of their parents to now it's like we're our our children are being gunned down and like thrown in jail from us you know what i'm saying yeah so you have broken families and with that it breaks your family like financially when that happens right because it actually costs money you invest in a child Mm -hmm. so when your child is actually taken from you by a systematic oppression you know what i'm saying that shit is like 
very damaging as a whole. Right. When you say that there's millions of black men in prison, mm. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, economically, that that that's it devastating. Economically, yeah, it gouges it it gouges the black community economically, mm-hmm. and people don't see things from that perspective. Mm-hmm. But I just deal with the I don't you know I just deal with things on a human level, man. Yeah, how to how to eat food and shelter, right? Food, shelter, clothes, education, these kind of things, and even just being sane. Yeah. Just living sane, you know, we're like so many people are, de- we're, you know, it's easy for us to get depressed, yeah. you know, um, confused and frustrated with life. Right. I think in 2018, most people are out here living on the edge. Yeah, absolutely. I, I truly believe. I mean, this, this, I don't know, there's so much stimuli now that to focus is a job, you know what I mean? Like, to keep just to keep focused on yourself is a job with so much stuff coming at us, <laughs> you know, it is a job. And, it, and if you got to worry about literally the police, mm-hmm. man, you be feeling like, I mean, don't you hate it when you feel like a criminal and you ain't even a criminal. Exactly. Cat, like, like, like we grew up in our neighborhoods, just watching out for the police. Yeah. That kind of stress is just like, yeah, it's like, what? Ain't I, ain't I free? Right. Why I can't, can't I, I can't think of one of my friends growing up that hasn't had, any confrontation with law enforcement. I can't think of one. Because there ain't one. It's crazy. <laughs> I mean, that is there crazy. There ain't one. They could easily fix that police problem. Absolutely. All they got to do, but they never would do it. But all they would have to do to fix the police problem is one thing. Hmm. They would just tell police, to, in order for you to be a police officer, you have to, you have to either yep. live or be from the district you police. Yep. Now try to gun somebody down when you got to live next door to their mama. Absolutely. And their brothers. Yep. And your kid got to go to school with their little, with their family. Mm-hmm. Try that shit now. Right. See, but it's different when, it's different when you can, uh, you know, you can, uh, you got all these bigot cops living exactly. way out, coming into the inner city in the black neighborhoods, yep. Latino neighborhoods. They can act however they want. Go right. back home. And it makes sense when you know how it started. <laughs> Slave patrols. That, that, that would so, be very easy there you for go. them to do as well, you know. Yeah. That would be very easy. Very. Okay, you're going to be this district. We'll put you up in a house no, here it, with your family. The state could even pay for it. Exactly, because I, I, I used to live in New York, and I remember there was an explosion to hire people for the police department, and they easily were able to find people to do it. So they can do the same thing. They could be like, look, you live in this community. This is how much we give you. For being a police officer, and we give you this much more if you live in this community. You think right. no one's going to sign up? <laughs> they definitely would sign up. And, and people just people want actually take pride in police in their own community. Exactly. I mean, yeah, you would stop so much crime in general if that were the case. Mm-hmm. Like in general, you would you would stop so much crime. Right. When you when people actually have relationships with the law enforcement, but you know why they're not going to do that? Because the police are they're not here to help us. They're here to enforce the policies, man. Exactly. Like I, I have a problem with the police, not the human being in the uniform. Some of them I do because <laughs> <But laughs> I know they're bigots. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I have a problem with the job. It's a very dishonorable job. Mm. When you really look at the details of the job, mm. the job is, you know, they did all this propaganda promotion about 
police getting a cat from the tree, you know, back in the 70s. And oh, all. Yeah. I, ain't no, I ain't never seen no cop do that in my life. <laughs> I met some cool cops, but yeah. damn, ain't you a human being? Right. What, like, it's it's you stand out because you're actually a nice cop? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. That's crazy. Right. But but these people are more like stormtroopers for mm-hmm. the, the empire. You Absolutely. know what I'm saying? They're, yeah, that's all they are. That's they're it. like, yeah, they're like shadows in uniforms in society. They're that... You know, you know, the paramilitary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're just like, man, is there a cop? Let me slow down. You know, mm-hmm. they just keep us all on fear, exactly. and they and they they yeah they they enforce the policies of the state. Mm-hmm. It's just a dishonorable job, right? But they want it to be that way, right? Exactly. We'll be right back. Ming draws, Ming socks. Make shoelaces, ah. I stick camouflage, make moves when the camera's off, A fool with my fam abroad, triceratops and a pair of crocs, they only see the surface like a carrot top, barbarian, tuna tartar, cool at harmar, a few are hard but none as cool as ours are, the rule of thumb, it's easy as chewing gum, my mama's young, yelling what you doing with hoodlums, the music industry's a pyramid scheme, clear as it seems. Y'all might as well hear it from me. Ah. Inspiration is gold. My inclinations to mold. My generation into soul. Just casting over crushed ice in a glass of cola. Kicking back on the sofa at the pad and boca. Jazz razzle dazz, and the Cadillac Escalade. Trying to finagle cash. Politicians want us all without a pot to pissing. Holy shooting black kids without no consequences. Obviously, justice is not consistent. Living life in poverty is not the mission. Trans rich. White girls with Blair's bills, uh, wear a shield in the marriage still. We all get around, cause the game is the fairest wheel. Trans rich, uh, trans, yeah, trans rich, give me that trans, uh huh, trans rich.
played the song trans rich and and you said the um the music industry is a pyramid scheme clear as it seems y'all might as well hear it from me you know being the co-founder of rhyme sayers and 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 being an mc um you have a lot of experience on both sides of the industry so why why do you say it's a pyramid scheme well, what is a, a pyramid scheme? It's simple. It's a prime America or some shit, whatever like that. <laughs> you got, you got. A, basically, a pyramid is when you you have to buy something from me and then take that and then make money off that. You see, yeah. or right, the, the music industry is set up like that. Right, it's set up like um, it ain't a diss. I'm just saying what it is. Mm-hmm. Like record companies are the only thing that record companies can do for artists. First off, they don't validate an artist. All they can do is put up the money for you to get on TV and the radio. Right. That's it. At this point. Right. That's it. There's no stigma behind being on a label. Mm-hmm. All they can do is buy you Twitter followers and make sure that, you know, your your uh, social media platform is huge and mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. So that's what I say. It's a pyramid scheme in the sense that you're just using me to make money. Gotcha. Off of you, you want me to sell my intellectual property to <laughs> you, like sign it over to you, so that you give me a platform. Mm-hmm. You see, right? Because they still make more money than you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I saw a stat. I still I saw a stat yesterday. Uh, that said Universal Music makes $18 million a day Damn. from streams. Wow. From streams off their artists. Wow. Like, don't listen to this jargon about how music, the music industry is going broke and all this because they can't sell. You know they what? That's probably compared to what it was. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, mean, yeah, I mean, $18 million dollars a day, it probably used to be yeah, $50 million dollars a day. <laughs> exactly. Well, we, we felt that even as an independent label you know, the fact that people just don't buy as much product as they used to right. uh, physically. Yeah, it does. It does. But you know what? You make your money in different ways today. Yeah. And that, and that's how the music industry does it. Now they have, you know, the new record deal is a 360 deal. What do you mean? Okay. What a 360 deal is this. <clears throat> and I said the new record deal was because at one time everybody was like, oh, I bet you signed a 360 deal. But now every record deal is a 360 deal. And what that is is at one time, an artist, the only thing that they had to split with the label was their music sales, Mm. their physicals, like their vinyl and their CD and their cassettes. That's it. Their touring and their branding and merch. And if they went off and had a career in movies and things like that, that was all theirs to keep. They, you know, they, you know, obviously you like have a booking agent, you got to, they take a percentage and whatnot, but the record label didn't have anything to do with that. When 
the internet exploded and you had people downloading music and whatnot and it dug into the the sales, the physical sales. Then they invented the 360. Obviously, 360 is a circle, mm-hmm. meaning that we're taking a portion from everywhere that you are going to earn if you're going to sign with us. Wow. So now it isn't just that we want the percentage of your physicals. Now we're taking the percentage of your licensing deals, your merch, your wow. touring. Mm. If Even if you happen to get in the movie, we still want 10% of that. Mm-mm. So those are the new record deals. Mm. This is why you have artists like Cardi B today. Mm-hmm. Mm. Because if you look at yeah. Cardi B is not an artist. I'm not knocking her. Yeah. She's entertaining. She's a comedian. <laughs> I think Cardi B is more a comedian than a musician. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, it just is what it is. But and she's funny. <laughs> but she's a comedian to me. Uh, but you see, you have artists like Cardi B. She's She's taking it to its pinnacle of like, She's a reality TV star. Mm -hmm. And then she has a couple songs now that are big. But she signed a record deal. And, you know, they were able to stream her personality on that love and hip hop or whatever she was on into being a successful artist as far as selling albums, at least for the time being. So are you saying like, so what what I'm hearing you say is, now that the artist understands their intellectual property and a lot of them like the whole on their masters and if they know that and they have a good marketing mind they can kind of make money without the label but if you go to a label the labels understand that look we got all these connections and if we're going to give you these connections we got to get a piece of every little pie so if the in the future, for artists to really make like as much money off of their m- music as possible, they need to start having uh, going into distribution and all these other things, right? And and creating a found platform on that, right? And, yeah, wow. <laughs> now that that's the bigger part of the music game. Most people aren't even aware of. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's when you look at it and you be like. Yeah, Cardi B's making some money, but not that much. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, like in the in the grand scheme of the of, of of economics. Right. You know? Like um you have to be the distributor. Mm-hmm. Like at the end of the day. And and and, and I, it doesn't I mean, I'm I've done it to a degree, you know, we've done it with rhyme sayers as far as like I'm set. Like I it, it might not be that big of the pie, piece of the pie, but at least it's my piece of the pie. Right. It's mine. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Right. So like um, other artists are basically selling you fame. Record mm-hmm. labels are selling people fame. Right. You see? Yeah. And they're taking every, but this is why they promote you now. Like you get a three C, you sign with, you know, you sign one of these labels. They're going to have a team of people trying to get you on uh, in movies, trying to, you know, your brand is big, you know, your tours, they're all involved with that right now. Um, so all of these things, this is major money, man. Mm-hmm. Major money. But let, let let me ask you this then, because at the end of the that's of uh, trans rich, there's a skit of a lady at the end, and, and I'm paraphrasing here. She says, "The more violent your music, the more respect. The more violent and misogynistic, the more you will sell." Do, do you do you believe um, that there are forces at work to make hip hop? Make sure hip hop doesn't like educate the people, especially the youth. 
I black, black youth in particular? That. I definitely think that, and I say it all the time. Mm-hmm. How could there not be? Right. I mean, if you, you when you look at the look at how hip hop. I mean, there was a time when. I mean, look at what the popular music used to be in hip hop. Right. I you know. know. I mean, yeah. I was I was just recently playing X Clan's first album. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I was, yeah, I was playing Heed the Word of the Brother. <laughs> like, Word. <laughs> and and that, that album was popping. Yeah. That album, yeah, yeah, that was a big album Absolutely. at that time. Mm-hmm. So, like, um, but, I mean, you know, Ice Cube's Death Certificate, those, those exactly. albums were selling millions of copies. Yeah. Public Enemy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, how, how did all of that just disappear? Exactly. I, there I, had I, to be some effort put into that. You know what I hate? I hate when people say, you know, man, this is what people like. I mean, this is what they played. People like the beat. This is this is what they like. I'm like, no, they don't, man. They're feeding those you this. Are, those are people who don't know who Ryan Sayers is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you should tell them, oh, oh, you think so? You think that's all people like? Tell them to come to one of our shows. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I definitely like, think it's a conspiracy, like man. It. I definitely think it's a conspiracy. There's no way. There's no way. I don't even way. think it's a conspiracy. I think right. I just I just think it's something that happened. <laughs> right. I mean, a conspiracy. I don't even know what cons- what is cons- conspiracy. Something you can't prove. That's I true. Can, yeah, we can prove it. Prove that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I think you know it ain't a shot in the dark to say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it had to happen. It had to. I mean, we don't we don't know who. I remember there was that little uh, manifesto that was floating around online or whatever that supposedly claimed that there was a meeting between the um, some record labels and uh, people who were in the uh, uh, for-profit prison industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess, but I don't know how true that is. But all you got to do is just look. How did it disappear? Because I know I didn't stop making it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, I know. Yeah, like. You know, so and I mean, we used to dance to it in the club, so that, they can't say that either. So I don't. We used to we used to dance to that stuff in the hard. Club. It was <laughs> it was the most popular music. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it ain't got nothing to do with what people like. People liked all. I liked N.W.A. and Public Enemy and Brand Nubian. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> so uh, let's talk about some things outside the music. Mm. I like to ask people. You know, the show's called Book Speaks and Beyond. What are you reading right now? Or, or or what books had the biggest impact on your life? Um uh books as far as um I guess there's but there's two different parts of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I read the Quran a lot. Oh cool. I say that that has the biggest impact, especially now where I'm at in my life and with my family and, you know, teaching my kids and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, I, I just just literature mm-hmm. in general with the um, autobiography of Malcolm X. Oh yeah, I probably wouldn't be who I am today if not for that book. Mm. Yes, yeah, over there I'm looking at it on my bookshelf now. <laughs> um, Iceberg Slim's collection. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, Iceberg Slim's collection of books um, had a big influence on me. Just as far as like coming from the inner city and. You know, um, those were the first, like, those books kind of just helped me be myself in a sense. Yeah. Because, you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm, I might not come across that way, but I'm a hood guy. You know what I'm saying? I'm, <laughs> yeah, my family, we're, we're, we're simple hood people at the end of the day. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Let me, so, like, 
I'm like, okay, you know, how do I balance all this out? Right. Malcolm X, the autobiography of Malcolm X definitely was one where reading that and seeing how he actually became Malcolm X and then you um you actually you know, that that is an amazing book. Right, it is an amazing yeah. book, man. It really yeah, it's is. amazing. It's very impactful. Um yeah. so that um Let me ask you something with the with the with the Quran. Mm-hmm. What if what do you think someone right now that has nothing has no idea about the Quran has never opened the Quran? What do you think would be something that will amaze them right now about what's written in there? Mm, good question. Okay, it's important to, for people to understand that because you have your people who are like, um, well, all these books are written by men. Hmm. Okay, right. All these religious books, mm-hmm. and they just kind of like cast them all aside or whatever. It's important for people to understand that the Quran, you have, if you were to read it in English, and that's fine, you read it in English, and then you kind of get a gist of what the book is saying. Mm. But once you start learning it in Arabic, and it's called Fusha, like it's the it's not the same Arabic they speak today. Mm. So Arabs. Modern Arabs even have to learn the Quran. Yeah. See? Right. In Arabic. So when you start understanding that, and you understand that in 1500 years, the enemies of of, of the theology have not been able to debunk the book. <laughs> hmm. If they could, they would have. And the reason that is, is because the science of the, um, of the poetry of it hmm. is so beautiful. That I mean, you might might hear some re- recitations on recordings and things like that. Whether you understand it or not, if you hear a good reciter, you're like, "Wow, that's some really good poetry" or whatever, like mm-hmm. you know. And so, um, but the, the 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 greatest thing about the message is it just teaches you how to be a human. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not like really a lot of um, there's not a lot of like complex things in it. It's 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 not that long of a book. It's not that big of a book. Mm. It's maybe half the size of the Bible. Mm. And um but it just teaches you how to be a human in the sense of like um purpose. Like purpose. That that question that every human being, I don't care when you were born, who you are, your ethnicity, your race, every human being has that question of what's my purpose? What am I doing here? What is all of this for? And when you read it, and then you start to understand what these words in Arabic actually mean. Mm. Um, and then you're like, wow, okay, it's starting to make sense. Mm-hmm. And Muslims even have to go through this. That's why I said in that song, talk, I was like, Muslim, Christian, or Buddhist, don't matter if you're foolish. Right. Yeah, you can't just say, I'm this religion. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to, if you delve yourself into it, and then, um, and so as a Muslim, it takes time for Muslims to even gain that understanding of what it's actually saying. And then you learn the words of what it's saying. And so take something simple like the word, um, the word Rab. Okay. If you read the word Rab, like Alhamdulillah, Hirabil Alameen, Hirabil Alameen, Hirabil. That means like Lord, the mm-hmm. Lord, Rabil. Okay. In English, it would say the Lord. But when you start to learn what the word Rab means in Fusha, it means like the Rab means the owner 
of what of the owner of what it has made. And like when you have something in your hand and you actually made it mm. and you own it, mm. that's like that's what rub means. It's like you're you're encompassing something. Like if you had a ball of clay right. and you made, you know, when you're a kid and you roll that ball up of clay in your hand, right? You're you know you're kind of the rub of the clay. Mm. You you holding it in your hand and you you own that. Wow, yeah, that's you're, more you're, powerful you're, than Lord. I see. <laughs> it's way more powerful than Lord. Yeah. So so those are the things. It takes time. Mm. So all I say is give. I give uh, just. People, it, even even as um as a philosophy, it takes time, uh, and all human beings are interested in that. Mm-hmm. So you know, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but like uh, people use the Quran for a lot of different things. As far as even the enemies of Quran take advice from the Quran in certain ways. You know, I mean, you you read the Quran, and you know, it talks a lot about science in the book. Is uh, it explains how the earth is shaped like a like a oval, you know? It explains it explains how how the earth is tilted on this axis and whatnot. So you know these type of things and it, how it's explaining how it explains how a woman gets pregnant from a man inside of the Quran. Wow. It explains it explains that semen comes out, sperm comes out. You know, as 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 a, as a nut fuzz, it says nut fuzz like sperm, and then it attaches itself and makes a clot inside of the woman's womb. These are things way before anybody had a microscope to look at and see what's going on. Wow. You see, so this is what the Quran is. It's a book of science. Absolutely, it's a book of science. Yeah, and that's why I say science in this in the, in the Quran are actually one thing. That's Meaning that, like you make a you make a good point because um. I went to Spain one time and I visited a lot of the Moorish architecture and mm-hmm. you know in Islam you know they don't use pictures it's all about using the words and using geometry right. and right. when you look at the way the architecture was and when you look at how they paint the buildings um it would be words in the building but it looks beautiful right. <laughs> you know and it was it's amazing, it's, it's amazing. like like you said Islam and science were one and the same, and I think, and I think that's what we were talking about earlier. If we really understood the Moorish influence on Europe, the Renaissance will make sense because Renaissance means rebirth. You can't rebirth anything (laughs) if it's never existed before. That's where there's re in front of it. So they, I mean, Europe really learned through Islam. Right. (laughs) <laughs> Moorish Islam, yeah. <laughs> I try to put it in a simple way for people. I try to say, um, as far as science and Islam goes, um, you say it never says God never said, okay, you know, because uh, I have home, I I know people who are like atheists, and I know religious people who are against science, and the atheist people who everything it has to be scientifically proven. Okay, cool. So what I say to both of them is this. Okay. Take a take a hamburger. This is what science basically is. And God never said he wouldn't explain to us in some way or form of how are the elements he used to create something. That's not 
Never, never one time does it say that. Only if it's like a, a star. He even tells us what he used. The angels, the Matleka, are made from light. We're made from clay mm-hmm. and, and of the earth. The jinn are made from a smokeless fire, not the fire on the bottom, the fire on the top. Mm-hmm. So these, he's explaining to us. So if you take a hamburger and you looked at all the elements from the hamburger, what science would be, it would be like, okay, where'd you get the bun? You got the bun from wheat. It was this little seed. I planted it. I grew the wheat, and then I took it, and I ground it, and I baked it, and I made this bun. What about the patty? Oh, the patty. The patty comes from this animal. It's called a cow or maybe a turkey or whatever. You know, it had this, you know, blase. That's what so, – so science and Islam, there's no separation mm-hmm. between the two because it can be explained. And God gives us these details through Islam, which becomes a science, mm-hmm. you know. About yeah. the sun, the moon, and all these things like that. But yeah, the, the history of Andalusia is amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. That's what that that's what I think we need to learn during Black History Month. <laughs> Matter of fact, you know, you know, one thing that was really fresh about the Black Panther is that um, the 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 outwork of Wakanda, like the the city of it. Oh yeah, was basically like, and and look at this. Go look at pictures of like uh. Timbuktu. Oh right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Mali Empire. Oh man. They were they used that architecture. They sure did. To you, yeah. That's a lot of people overlooked that. Wow, I (laughs) I sure did. I see it now. (laughs) I was like, oh, that's 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 the temples. That looks like the temples Mansa Musa built. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So they're just using that, but people don't even know it. Mm. You know, like. Nice. Let's not give any spoilers. (laughs) But um. Uh, the, the the next question I, I like to ask artists is, what three albums and or songs had the biggest influence on shaping who you are today? Um, albums or songs, man. There's actually a plethora of them. But if I if I had to say, I, I mentioned it earlier, and that would probably be Ice Cube's album Death Certificate. Death Certificate, yeah. I, Ice Cube, Ice Cube for me is um, is the goat. Mm. I know a lot of a lot of people disagree with me. You know, friends of mine and whatnot. That, you know, everybody's like Jay Z, hmm. and obviously I'm not taking nothing from Jay Z. But right. Ice Cube, when he did the Big Three, yeah. the Big Three League, <laughs> I was like, he's the goat. Bro. He's had a better career than Ice Cube. You know, <laughs> now his son playing him and all. It's, it's like your son played him in a movie. Come on, right. bro. Like yeah, but um. His his death certificate album mm-hmm. was uh, great for me, like at that time. And um, what else? Um, Bob Marley. Bob Marley is a, musically is a huge influence. Oh, yeah. Bob Marley to me is the goat artist of all time. Yeah, I, I can't agree yeah. with you, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, what I mean by that is, is like, what does it? What makes some? What makes somebody the goat? And I'm keep in mind, I said the goat greatest artist of all time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't necessarily say the best. I didn't say uh, <laughs> the rapper, singer. I said artist, overall artist. Right. Okay. So there's some things. Obviously, you got to have great songs. Mm-hmm. Nobody has. Nobody has. Uh, when you listen to Bob Marley's catalog, he has the most perfect songs of anybody, <laughs> of any artist who's ever made music. I think. Mm-hmm. Like you know what I mean? Like a song. Like you can play catalogs of his without. Press and skip. Without press and skip, absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Bob Marley. Okay, influence. 
influence has to be in there. So David Bowie's like probably my mm. second greatest artist. But Bob Marley's my first just for the simple fact he literally I mean, the sound that we know reggae to be today, right. he basically did. Him and Lee Perry did that in the in the basement. Right. And it it, it, it yeah, I mean, when you think about that genre of music, you it's just Bob. You know, like <laughs> yeah. it's just Bob. It's yeah, it's like and the and thing then, about like said, the thing about Bob is, I can hear the same song a thousand times and learn something new. I mean, it's crazy. Right. right. I've been listening to him my, my whole life, and then right. one time, I took him on. I went to Jamaica one time, and I listened to him in Jamaica. Yo, mm-hmm. <clears throat> when you hear the instruments, it's like it's part of nature. Like he right. really took nature and put it on wax. It's crazy. Right. Crazy. He's an amazing, he was amazing, man. He's so, he's, he's, so Bob Marley and his catalog, but there's, there's two sides to Bob Marley. <clears throat> Obviously there's his, um, there's his, uh, waiting in vain and could there be love Bob <laughs> right. Marley. Right. And then there's the bald heads Bob Marley. Right. <laughs> <laughs> <There's> right. the, <laughs> and I'm saying, how could this dude be talking Make songs like Bald Heads. Yeah. <laughs> uh, make songs like Babylon System. Yeah. And still be, and white people still love him in his day. <laughs> you got you to keep in mind, like, when he was. You know exactly. what I'm saying? He was, that. yeah, he would, his pinnacle was, like, in the mid-70s. Mm-hmm. So it's like, when you look at what he was doing, and he, I mean, shoot, he's the reason white people wear dreads today. Right. And he's calling you a bald head. He's like, telling you eat up all my corn you know what yeah. i'm saying like you he's his music is powerful very powerful so yeah i'm like yeah how, how he was able to do that is because his music was so perfect mm-hmm. it sounded so perfect it was so beautiful right but meant so much at the same time i don't no one has ever achieved that Mm-mm. when Not you think all. about it no michael jackson tried to make some of those songs but they weren't near on the level of bob <laughs> right Yo, Michael Jackson, the Earth song and all that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know that that came off kind of corny. You know what I'm saying? Like Bob means meant business. He was right. man. Right. So you said yeah, Ice Bob, Cube, Bob Marley. Yeah, Ice Cube, Bob Marley, and um, artistically. Hmm? Yeah, artistically, I'd have to say David Bowie. David Bowie. All right. All yes. Right. Yeah. Big, big, big influence on me. Big, just as far as like creativity. Mm. Like David Bowie has a quote, and um, he has many quotes, but <laughs> David Bowie I always give definitions and examples of how how fresh David Bowie was. Mm-hmm. I say David Bowie was so fresh. Paul McCartney painted a portrait of him. <laughs> yeah. I always say David Bowie was so fresh that he played the elephant man in a, in a play on Broadway with no mask. How <laughs> could like one of the, one of the, one of the like so-called sexiest, beautiful people in the world play the elephant man with no mask. That's, that is amazing. But see, uh, David Bowie, he has a quote where he says, when I'm making music, if I feel, if I don't feel, or he said, if I feel uncomfortable, then it's right. 
Mm. Meaning he said he wants his music to make him feel uncomfortable. Right. Wow. And I love that quote. Yeah. It's I you love grow. that quote. Yeah. It's how you grow. It's, it's, it, it breaks monotony and music mm-hmm. and everything. It's like it's that one element, you know, and I basically stick with that when I'm making songs and um. But then you know David Bowie's there, but you know who's a close a close next to him is Miles Davis. Oh yeah, right. Miles Davis is like next right there with Bowie. <laughs> as far and he, but he's more of the individual. Mm. He was a genius musically, but who he was as a person, <laughs> oh man, he's <laughs> he's really inspiring to me. Yeah. Wow. I mean those. Those that that's that's uh that those are some dope influences, man. <laughs> so, yeah, those those are those are mine, man. Those are my influences. It ain't <laughs> it ain't really. I don't really listen to that much rap. I never really had. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like I I have my few. Um, I'm a, I'm a hip hop kid, you know. And that's that's my um uh, my era of music. Yeah. Just like, but if I was if I was born in like, if I was born in 1930, I'd probably be into the blues scene, hanging out with like Robert Johnson or something, you know, like. <laughs> yeah. You know, this but but so hip hop is just like my I found my creative output with it with hip hop. I see. But the music musically, I'm all over the place. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. So so last lastly, I want to ask you, what do you want people to mainly take away from the album Intellectual Property? I want them to learn something. The biggest compliment that I get is when um I play it for some people. Like uh, and they fit and they say, man, I just felt like I was in school or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, just, yeah, they, 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 you know, they feel like that. They say though that to me, saying it's fresh and tight. Oh yes, yeah, I know it's good. Mm-hmm. I know my music. I know I'm a tight rapper. <laughs> like I know I am. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it ain't a thing for me. You know, I'm not that humble about that. <laughs> you know, like because right. I put, I, you know, it's preparation. It's I put in the time. How I write my rhymes, I'm too I'm too uh, precise mm-hmm. in the words I choose. But what I want to achieve musically, I'm still working on. So um, this album, when they say that's why, if you notice the the first res- the resources video, yeah, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's in a, it's in a in a setting in a university mm-hmm. in a class because I want people to learn from this album. I want them to take that away. I mean, you can listen to Migos and get crunk. Or you can listen to Kendrick and feel the vibe. Yeah. Or you can, but me, I just I'm doing music at this point to um, drop knowledge, as we say. Yeah, it's needed. That's it. Yeah. I I feel qualified to do it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, there was a time if I was a little younger and whatnot, and I was just in a different place in my life, I might be trying to make other songs. But now I'm like. This is what I'm supposed to do. Right. I'm supposed to teach these kids or whoever wants to listen. Mm-hmm. Like a guy came up to me. I was on tour uh, back in December, and I was in um, where I was in uh, Colorado Springs, Colorado. And a fan came up to me after the show, and um, he's like, "Man, he's like that song talk." He's like, they need to play that at the White House. <laughs> right. He said, everybody needs <laughs> to hear that song right now. <laughs> Those are the kinds of things I make music for today. Nice. Well, I just want to say, Masab, I totally agree with you. I I learned a lot from this album, and we need MCs like that who who aren't afraid to want to teach, want to spread knowledge, and still bring it with some dope lyrics. 
So I just want to say thank you so much for being on Book Speaks and Beyond. Thanks, Taj. I appreciate you. Thanks. If you want to purchase any of the music, I've included links in the show notes. Or you could just go to booksbeatsandbeyond.com. And, you know, what's cool is by clicking on the links, you support the guests, the music artists, and uh, we get a small commission, which is no extra cost to you, which we would then put toward the operations of this show. Um, and also, please click on the iTunes link to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. And if you do this stuff already, just want to say thank you so much for your support. Remember, let's read, listen, explore. <laughs>